It's time for a b- 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 bonus episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Activated My Podcast, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! Recap Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jimmy. This week, we're talking about, gotta get your head in the game, GX. Yes, that's right. We are doing Yu-Gi-Oh! GX Season 1, Episode 1. Jimmy, By the f- popular demand. <laughs> the fuck is the name of this episode? I had it and I lost it. Oh, I don't even know. What is it called? YouTube, save me. Uh, it is called. That is that is an ad. I got an, I got an ad, not the thing. Here we go. All right. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! GX season one, episode one, the next king of games. Sorry, I was interrupted well, there for much nice, longer than was uh, necessary by it's a, a nice spoiler of the entire show. <laughs> this kid is going to be the next king of games. I mean, we don't I know. I mean, why, why do we even have to watch the whole show now? <laughs> it's that true. It's given basically... away. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, this uh, this episode's available on YouTube, which I thought was really cool. The official like, Yu-Gi-Oh! channel put it up on YouTube, uh, which they've done for, I think, a few seasons now of uh, various, the various, uh, what's the word? The various Yu-Gi-Ohs. Series is the word that I'm looking for. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Ohs. I was so distracted. I th- it took me so long to find the episode title because the YouTube page like started loading and then started playing an ad for Magic the Gathering Arena. Ah, so it's not just me getting no. the Magic the Gathering Arena ads. No, the the ads are very on point. They know what they're on about. Extremely uh, on brand. But it prevented like the rest of the game, page from loading. So it was just like, like, no, you get just an ad for right now. <laughs> Uh, no joke, they, I would watch the hell out of a Magic the Gathering anime. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, and the ads are actually really good. Uh, be basically like sliders, but with planeswalkers going to different planes and fucking shit up. Ooh, I like this. Yes, like a like a Stargate anime. Yeah. Stargate, but instead of the Goa'uld, uh, the main antagonist is Nicol Bolas. Now... Isn't Nicol Bolas going away, or is that... We'll is... see how the current magic story art uh, wraps up. Because the current one, I was reading a little bit about this. The current one is Nicol Bolas, the like, dragon god, whatever, has a new ability where... Oh, I'm going to forget this, but it was really cool. And, and if the people listening to this like card games, they might like this. The new magic decks, I guess, have more planeswalkers in them. Like you have a lot of planeswalkers in every yeah. booster pack. You you get at least one planeswalker per pack. And they're and, not necessarily great planeswalkers. There's new planeswalkers that only have like one ability and there's mm-hmm. no way to like boost them up. So you can only use it a couple times before they go away. Right, but there's also a Nicol Bolas card that gets powers based on how many Planeswalkers are, like, on the field. Yes, the new Nicol Bolas card is Nicol Bolas has every Planeswalker ability on the field. So you you can play a bunch, and that's fine, and that's great, because they're all very powerful, but then if the person playing against you has this card, you're fucked. Yeah, oops, all planeswalker powers so that's neither here nor there but i like it when card games do that shit it's always fun but we're not here to talk about magic the gathering no no we are not uh jimmy this week we are here to talk 
GX, which I want to start out with. I had in my notes uh, that GX, according to the theme song, stood for Generation X. See, I thought that too. I went and looked up the lyrics to the theme song. Yes, I was incorrect. I was, actually, I was, at first I was confused by this because I was like, Generation X, that's not even like the generation that this show is marketed towards. No. But then, and I think you came to the same conclusion, it actually means... The GX stands for Generation Next with a capital X in Next. Which is like... That's what they're actually saying. I can't think of anything more 2004 cartoon than <laughs> having GX stand for Generation Next... And then the X is the X and next. That is just, it's, there's just something that you can, you can really sort of pinpoint the exact time and place that this title comes from just by knowing that one fact alone. God, this entire episode, this entire show is so early 2000 it hurts. This makes me want to grab my skateboard and put on some Linkin Park. Lauren and I were literally going through the list of like Warp Tour 2009 bands and just pointing out, oh yeah, it sounds like this band and this band. And I saw this band live and I went to this stage and like, oh, here's Lauren. Did you want to chime in on that? On the, on the Warp Tour? I was at Warp Tour 2009. So, I mean, be jealous. Nothing has surprised me less about you, Lauren. Lauren was the punk kid that wanted to be a goth kid. So Warp Tour was like... Oh, yeah. real estate uh but yeah no so okay so you looked at the lyrics uh i want to start with uh it's time to discuss the episode it's a bonus episode whatever uh i i want to start with uh it's time to get your game on i want to start with your feelings hey now you're a rock star get the show on get paid well, okay. I, th- I think I think you've telegraphed your answer to this question, but I want to start with your feelings about the theme song. This theme song is rad as hell, dude. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> it it takes me back, right? Like it, it does. Is, it is Warp Tour, and it's especially I think because you and I had fairly similar upbringings. You know, being raised like as church going kids who also wanted to listen to punk rock, mm-hmm. like it hits that demographic specifically it so does it's like it's it's like if bowling for soup and fountains of wayne had a child that wanted to be in a punk band you know Mm -hmm. uh now okay so so that aside though we know that the theme really whips the llama's ass but did you know that that is not the original theme for the no. show <laughs> because it was it was originally released in Japan, right? Uh-huh. Uh, so there is a Japanese version of the theme song that I've linked in uh, the show notes that is equally Buck Wild and oh, equally 2004, but for a very different reason. <laughs> I'm seeing your notes here. So I I can't wait to click on this. Yeah, so I want us to listen to this uh and I'll I'll edit it into the episode uh so hopefully our our listeners hear it as well, but I I'm going to have it sort of lined up at at 000 if if you're ready to go. Yes. Okay. So uh on uh we'll we'll do 321 go. We'll go on on go, okay? 
Three, two, one, go. Skank. Skank. This is this is exactly what I was listening to in 2004. Is the thing like this is this is literally the time in my life when I found a ska mixtape on the sidewalk and that became like my go-to listening for maybe two years. That doesn't surprise me about you at all. And it's all this song. Right? Amazing. Isn't I have that, never heard Japanese ska before. It's I've never seen a ska anime opening in my life. No. But why are they not all that? Right? Like like I know, okay, Cowboy Bebop is great. Sure, fine. But what if it were ska? <laughs> I'm going to get so many letters after that. I Lauren just called me out for being obsessed with ska. I I am. I really want ska to have a comeback so that because I'm at a stage in my life where I have enough self confidence to finally be the ska kid that I wanted to be at the age where it was okay to be a ska kid. And I just I want to have that. I want to live that phase. I have enough confidence to be the ska kid now. So yeah, exactly. You started buying black lipstick. I'm gonna wear a Guy Fieri flame button down. Uh, and checkered board pants uh, and and vans uh, and vans don't forget the checkered board vans I actually did just buy some vans that are are black are black they're not checkerboard. I didn't go all in but they are vans <laughs> <sighs> disappointing I know I know maybe I don't have the confidence to be a ska kid yet <sighs> well to quote Tuca and Bertie when I make a decision I stick with it which is why I still listen to ska <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we should talk about the episode now. We should talk about the episode. So the episode opens with a child, a a brunette uh, youngster with protagonist anime hair. Arguably not the most protagonist anime hair of this no, episode. This is actually, in terms of anime characters, his hair is pretty subdued. It's still got all kinds of weird physics going on, but it's plain brown hair. It's like... Just like me. <laughs> is that your band name, Plain Brown Hair? It is now. That's that's your ska band name? Uh, it's, it's, I think on, like if we were to make a, 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 like a scale, a rating scale from background extra to Yugi Moto, this would be firmly in like the Joey Wheeler section. Yeah, it's very much a Joey-adjacent 
it's not the same style of haircut by any means, but no. it's in the same level of craziness. Yeah, it's like how would you it's about des- a five? How would you describe it? What's what's the style? Um, it's kind of jagged, and it has like that same sort of. He's got like real sharp bangs, and then the back of his hair. I'm not entirely sure what he's doing, but it's like me when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> and the back of my head is just flying out like um, like bird wings directly yes. at the back of my head. It is, it's anime Jim Halpert. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of it's anime Jim Halpert. Uh, although I, I guess I did realize that the cowlick is only on one side of his head. Which... And it changes depending on how he moves. Oh, it does, doesn't it? So does that mean that it's sticking straight back like a like a duck bill or a, a, a duck's tail? That's what I'm thinking. You know how Mickey Mouse's ears are always facing the same direction? It's kind of oh, got yeah. that thing going on. It's like the inverse of that. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's but it's but it's fine. It's a very anime look. Uh, and we, we see this uh, child uh, sort of running through a bustling city as he's you know, telling people, get out of the way, like all this stuff. And he's I'm talking late to, for school. Classic anime to, intro. Yeah, exactly. But he's talking to himself and he's like, all right, I got my, I got my deck. I got my dual disc. Uh, I got uh, something else. He listed a third his thing. his gear. His gear. That's, yeah, his, his kit. Uh, and, uh, and he goes, no, no, I'm still late, which is like a weird way to be like, yeah, I got all my shit together. It's just a scheduled class for too early. I'm super prepared except this one thing. But he's not going to regular school, folks. He's going to dueling academy. And not only is he going to dueling academy, he mentions he's going to apply for dueling academy. Yeah. So he's late for the application process, which does not bode well. <laughs> Could you imagine like having to run to a physical location to apply for college? That would suck. And you've had you've had like months to prepare, right? You've had arguably years to prepare, and then the day of you are just like or the, the night before you're just like, "Nah, maybe I won't set an alarm. It'll be fine. I'm sure I'll get in." And then you end up having to literally sprint across town to even get to the point where you turn in your application. Yeah, whoop, here, I, here I am at Harvard. I'd better <laughs> uh, prepare to wake up early in the morning to apply to Harvard University. Oh shit, I forgot. My application for Harvard <laughs> is due today, this morning. Good thing I'm Chad Laughlin. <laughs> <laughs> this kid's name is even worse. Uh, it is. It is. So he. Uh, <laughs> well, should we we'll say get it? to it. We'll get. But to it. But his name is the most two thousand. Everyone in this show has the most two thousands name possible. But his name is the most, the absolute most. Uh, before he can make it to the dueling academy for uh, uh, gifted youngsters, uh, he runs into a very familiar uh, figure. Whoop! And I just reopened the. <laughs> theme song there that was very loud in my ears um he he runs into someone uh, that we might recognize yeah we don't see this person's face 
but we see their jagged purple and blonde haircut and their extremely tight uh, belt around their neck and their black vest. It's it's at times like these when I realize, when I re-realize that that is 100% just an American Girl doll belt around <laughs> that child's neck. Uh, and uh, yeah, so they, they bump into each other and he drops all his stuff. His dual disc goes flying, his cards go flying, he's picking stuff up and he goes, oh, I'm sorry, uh, you know, my, my mistake or whatever. And uh, the figure, the mysterious figure, who seems strangely familiar, says, uh, uh, wh- I, I didn't write it down, but he says something along the lines of, uh, I can see that you're a duelist. Yes. He, he says that, and then he reaches down to... Um... What can I can only describe as a deck um, belt. It's a holster. It's a, a straight deck. up. It's a gun holster for cards. Yes, it is a gun holster for cards around his thigh, and he pulls out a card and hands it to our new protagonist and says, "Something tells me this belongs with you. Good luck." And at this point, the protagonist recognizes him and goes, "Hey, aren't you?" but then can't finish the sentence because he realizes, wait a second, I'm late. So he looks at the card and he sees it's the winged Karibo, uh, who we will see lots and lots of throughout GX if we continue watching GX. Uh, but the winged Karibo is, does what it says on the tin. It's the Karibo that we all know and love from season one, plus wings. It is winged. Uh, and it makes the Karibo noise. It does. Him. The Karibo noise is like strangely unsettling to me. Yeah. Did, how would you describe it? If you find yourself in like a mist shrouded, like alternate reality, this is the sort of noise that would come echoing out of the mist. Oh shit. <laughs> if you find yourself in the graveyard dimension. Yeah. It's like, I think the reason why it has such a like visceral effect on me is we've talked about this before on the show. Uh, we here in, in Durham have to deal with wood pigeons, which are pigeons that have survived the apocalypse uh, and are like chicken sized, like large chicken sized. Terrifying. Yeah. And they make this like, cooing that is just like it's it's like it's like they they hulked out and that's what wing karibo sounds like to me yeah it sounds like the ghost of a morning dove (laughs) that's really good i like that Uh, but but the the protagonist can't he hears it is the thing i expect it to be just like a non-diegetic like oh it's just for the audience but he hears it and he goes that's weird but he remembers, no, wait, I can't talk to this person who I, I clearly recognize, and I can't question... Does he recognize him, though? He, I think does he, he does. I don't think he does. Because he says, hey, aren't you... And then the noise happens, and then he realizes that he's late. I think he has a moment of it. And then the next line that he says also kind of makes me think that he does, because he says, can't be the next king of games if I'm late to the games. And then he I runs guess. off. I don't know. I feel like if 
you are going to school for, I don't know, anthropology Mm -hmm. or something. And on your way to school, you run into Jane Goodall. Right. You're not going to keep running. You're going to talk to them for just a little bit. Well, I mean, you know, you, you can tell the story of uh, on your way to your first day of film school when you bumped into George Lucas and didn't st- stop to talk to him. <laughs> and then George Lucas gives me a uh, an Ari uh, lens. Here, yeah, this belongs with you. <laughs> <laughs> Give you a Jar Jar Binks mask. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's... Uh, Mesa yeah. King of Games! Oh, moy moy! <laughs> The darkest timeline. Uh, it yeah, it's not clear. Tisa the bombad Yugi. It's okay. We haven't said it outright. The mysterious figure is Yugi Moto, who yes. just hands this random child a winged Karibo. Um, why does that happen? I don't know. Uh, it, it feels like it's very much just like here. Let me pass the torch to you, fellow exactly. protagonist. You're the main character now. I'm going to go off and do my thing. Right, right. Which, I mean, is a good way to do it, I think. If they're going to acknowledge that there's a consistent universe at all, getting that bit out of the way up front feels good to me. Yeah. And notably, he speaks in uh, Big Yugi's voice. Yes. I do not remember if there is a canon reason for that that we will get to in like 10 years of doing this podcast. <laughs> uh, but I think there is. I think he's stuck that way past getting, a certain point. Getting knocked over by this child made him uh, activate the Millennium Puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> he, sort of, he sort of just got this like PTSD anytime he sees a, a dual disc now. Yeah. It triggers. He is ready Oof. to send this tiny like middle school aged child to the shadow realm i mean you know the mind kids crush respect. <laughs> uh then we play the theme song uh in which i learned that it's not generation x it's generation next uh it's so contrived it's so bad uh and then we we reopen on a landscape shot of a large dome uh that looks like uh, have you driven up past like Tacoma in Washington? Yes. It looks like the the Tacoma Dome. It does. It looks like they bulldoze the top of a mountain to stick the Tacoma Dome up there. Yeah, and it's just this giant arena, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's a a giant arena, and we see inside it's a giant arena that's been split up into smaller uh, fenced off dueling arenas. Sort of like uh, they look like. Uh, tennis courts to me yeah kind of like tennis courts like a hundred indoor tennis courts all in this arena well we Uh, only see like four well yeah uh and at each one is uh people dueling and this is the entrance exam for dueling academy where young hopefuls duel against proctors to uh, sort of be judged as to whether or not they are worthy of entering the hallowed ranks of dueling scholars. Because these kids don't need to learn math or anything. They just need to learn dueling. I mean, they kind of are learning math. You know, you have to figure out whose attack points are higher. And, uh, you know, you get lots of word problems where you got to solve for X, where X is the number of monster on the field, that sort of thing. 
Sorry, uh, bi- biology. Concept... No, they don't need biology. <laughs> no, the entire concept of this school is just very silly to me. I mean, it's it's. I was about to say it's no less silly than like Star Academy, Starfleet Academy, uh, but. Starfleet Academy actually makes sense. They they learn in Starfleet learn Academy things. you learn how to fly spaceships. <laughs> Here you learn, learn how to play skills. card games. Yeah, exactly. It's, like there's no there's no real sense of like ah yes, and then they will go to their uh, I don't know uh, English lit class right yeah. at Dueling Academy. There's there's no sex ed at Dueling Academy. <laughs> the, no, the the Star Trek no equivalent would be Dabo Academy. <laughs> Wait, what's Dabo Academy? Have you not watched uh, Deep Space Nine? I've watched very little of Deep Space Nine. I keep starting it, and then I just don't have the time that I want to dedicate to it. How dare you? It is the best I'm Star so Trek. I'm so sorry. I, I have a job. <laughs> Dabo is the in-universe equivalent of, like, poker or something. Oh, okay. It's like a roulette kind of game. Of chance that's very popular in the Star Trek universe. Gotcha. If you actually have uh, money, like Latinum, instead of uh, utopian Starfleet equivalent, which is not having money at all. Yeah, I was about to say, aren't they, they a post-currency a, society? They live in a, a futuristic utopia that doesn't need currency, uh, unless you're dealing with Ferengi, who invented Dabo. They went that, that makes sweet, sense. sweet gold press latinum. Ferengi, the men's rights activists of the Star Trek world. <laughs> they really are. Uh, yeah, I, you know, Dueling Academy is just like... I I like the concept of Dueling Academy within just the scope of the Yu-Gi-Oh! universe. I can yeah. definitely see, like, say, say, okay, the season that we just watched where Yugi goes straight from high school to Dueling Academy... I could see that, like, yeah, if they're at the point of, where they can hold a, a part-time job at a burger joint, they can go to Dueling Academy and, and probably come out the other side normal, well-rounded, well-rounded, can't say that word, uh, human beings. Like, they won't have missed out on much by way of sort of formal education. Yeah, but this seems like you're going from middle school straight into Dueling Academy instead of like a high school equivalent. Exactly, exactly. Which that part weirds me out a little bit. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Uh, Harry Potter went to high school and it was the best seven years of his life. So uh, who am I to judge? Lauren is giving me the worst look right now. <laughs> you can only get into Hogwarts if you beat Snape in a duel. I mean, that would be really interesting is the thing. That would be pretty cool. Uh, so maybe, maybe they have something here. What I love most about this scene where they introduce Dueling Academy is actually the introduction of the like Snape-esque character uh, who uh, we learn the, their name later, but there's a sort of like very stern figure in what looks to be definitely a blonde wig but they're wearing this this like Louis the Sixteenth went dueling in the future sort of outfit. It's very like regal and formal and non. It's it's like a drag show outfit. Is the yeah thing. like we're watching a lot of drag race here, and it looks like something that they would wear. It looks like 
a military uniform. It's got like epaulets and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. And then just like in completely random places, it has like tutu frills sticking out. Yeah. And just like the highest collar. Uh, and uh, so, so they're, they're watching and there's this sort of like internal monologue that they're having of, of looking at these all you know, young upstarts and how the implication is that if they fail, they have to go to dueling community college. <laughs> Which is just, I mean, it's its the most perfect thing for this character in particular to say. And it really sets up kind of the worldview of the people in this setting of, oh, this is their view of dueling education. Is like, if you have to get dueling education, fine, but don't go to community college. Yeah. At least get, go to community college, take two years, get your credits, and then transfer into dueling academy. Absolutely, but, right? Yeah. But but at, but at that point I think I think you kind of get the the idea from this internal monologue that like that would still not if you have to go to dueling community college you're you're too far gone. Yeah, you're toast. Get out of here. Uh, for our younger listeners who are weighing their options for going to college, community college is actually pretty great. Community college was really helpful for me. I definitely recommend it. Uh Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the views, I knew of, the views of this show, who went to community college before transferring into where I went to school, and then they graduated ahead of me. Yeah, which was it's... weird, but okay. Well, and like you know, you go for two years, you get an associate's degree, and then if you know after that what you want to be doing with your further education, you go, you get a bachelor's degree, and that's great. Or you realize, hey, you know what? I don't need to go into debt for the next 20 years and you get a job with your associate's degree, which is also really great. Anyway, that's enough about education. Get a job with your associate's degree in dueling. Uh, you know what? If I could get an associate's in dueling, I sign me the fuck up, man. Like that would be amazing. I would, I would love to switch careers into professional dueling. Just take an online course in dueling. <laughs> it's like it's like becoming a minister. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a there's a YouTube channel for that somewhere, right? Oh, I'm definitely <laughs> sure. Uh so it's it's the last call basically for these these applicants. It's the last duels of the day. Right. The we get a shot day. of uh outside. There's like a sign up table and the the people working the table are like, "Okay, we're going to we're going to close up when literally out from the bushes leaping over a fence is our protagonist from earlier. He's yeah, like, it's nope, implied I'm that here, he, I made it. He crawls up the side of like a cliff to get here because it is on top of a mountain. So he flips over this friggin uh, fence uh, and uh, a school employee there who looks just like Phoenix Wright, I might add. <laughs> yeah, he really does. He really does. Um, is there like taking signups and the, our protagonist introduces himself with his extremely 2000s name, Jaden Yuki, which I mean, also kind of sounds like the name of the show. Like, does his last name have to be so close to Yugi? Yukio. Yukio. But yeah, Jaden Yuki, huh? It's uh, it's 
you can immediately tell from his name what generation this show is aimed at. Yes. Yeah, it's it's definitely like, oh, this kid was born in like what, 94. He's 10 years old now <laughs> or whatever, I don't know. Uh and uh yeah, it's it really is just like, a, "Hey kids, hello fellow children." It's 2004. Would you like a protagonist? <laughs> He's got attitude. But he uh, likes school. I guess. So he shows up and he's like, no, I'm the best ever and I'm here. And they're like, well, I guess technically we're not closed yet. Okay. So they let him in. And there's mm-hmm. really like no <laughs> resistance there. Uh, and he, he goes into the arena and he sees everyone dueling. And he meets up with somebody who I thought he knew already he was like immediately kind of chummy with this person who uh has like blue hair bright blue hair uh this was the protagonist hair hair. this in my mind this is the protagonist hair of the season yeah uh and we learn later this person's name is cyrus cyrus has big blue hair large circular glasses uh and uh they're watching somebody else uh whose name is bastion uh dual These names i know i know they're so they're all just like ugh, just amazing um so bastion which i still i didn't look it up i do not know if it was spelled with an o or with an e like Sebastian or bastion like the video game uh and uh bastion is dueling uh, a proctor in a duel and the the proctor presents them with a dueling multiple choice question yeah except all the possible answers that he gives are some variant of give up so it's like you're you're facing two monsters what do you do a run home to mommy b break down and cry c uh just give up and the bastion is like uh d none of the above yeah and, and bastion is like is sort of the the what's the stereotype he's trying to fulfill here he's he's the smart kid right yeah is the, is the thing or the 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 confident smart kid i guess i should say because there are several smart kids in this series uh but bastion is like ah i will pick option d and option d is this trap card that i laid four turns ago that you have forgotten about and now this trap card will destroy your monsters and i will allow me to play this other card that lets me win the duel yeah, he then, reminded me of uh, Tenya from My Hero Academia, who just the same sort of seen. black hair and kind of a nerd, but in like a prep way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely it's that line between nerd and prep, I think, because they end it with the Proctor being like, "All right, you got in, congratulations," and Passion being like, "I accept your ruling, most honorable Proctor." Yeah. Also, we should point out that they are all over the place this episode with, like, different accents. And Bastion here has uh, the English voice. He does, but in a different way than Bakura. Yeah. It's not a Bakura English. Obnoxious English. His is more subtle than that. Yeah. Uh, Which I liked. I was was into it. Uh, There's... (laughs) There's more accents that happen immediately after this, too, because there are other kids watching bastion like up in the in the cheap seats there's one kid whose name we don't learn but he has 
like a Southern Texan. This is the most like, this Al- fucking maybe guy. Alabama. I don't, it's it's some it's it's some amalgamated Southern accent. He has the most obnoxious, uh, like redneck stereotypical voice. Like, oh, hey guys, because he goes, well, Chaz. That that kid Bastion sure does know his way around dual dick. What do you think? And she's like, is this kid drinking before school? What is is does he need to spit out his chew? What's... It doesn't match this kid uh like his face at all. He's just like this regular looking anime person with kind of bluish hair, if I remember. Yeah, and I, I But honestly... for some reason he has this super southern like hillbilly voice. Yes, and it's not explained at all. And I, I think there's maybe even only one shot of watching him talk like while looking at his face. I think most of it is from over the shoulder. So it's to the point yeah. where you're having trouble figuring out which character it's even coming from. Uh, and he's talking to... The best name of this show so easily, far. Easily. This guy's name is Chaz Princeton. Which is just like... I think at this oh my point, God. the the writers are just like, all right, we got to come up with the most 2004 names. What's in? What's hip? What's cool? What's happening? And they're just one-upping each other until somebody gets to Chaz motherfucking Princeton. Chaz Princeton. And just wins the, the prize, wins the trophy, right? <laughs> like, you cannot top that. That is... How do you even get to Chaz Princeton? It's such Practice. a goddamn, <laughs> like, hyper-focused 2000s, like, bad kid name. Right, exactly. And that's and that's exactly who Chaz Princeton is. Like, you, if you needed a name to get a, across the fact that this kid is uh, a bully and a prep. And a, he's the smug, uh, not really antagonist, but uh, a foil who, to he the leads, main character. He is, he is the de facto leader of a group that he no doubt calls his gang. Yeah. They're not a gang, but he will call them gang. This guy is the Malfoy of this world. Yes, absolutely yes. That's all you need to know about Chaz Princeton that you can immediately glean from his name and demeanor. Right. Uh, We cut back to Jaden talking with Cyrus, who I've written down here as having two character traits, blue hair and test anxiety. Yeah, basically all we know about Cyrus at this point. He's just a, a nervous little kid who somehow managed to do well on his test. Exactly. Yes? To be fair, all you ever knew about Joey was New York accent and dog costumes. Yeah. That continues to be all we know about Joey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, wait. And his sister had a thing. She's, is she, did we have, is she blind? Was she dying? Is she still blind? Is she dying of being blind? I don't... All of the above. All of you. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, he, Cyrus is telling Jaden that he thinks that Bastion's duel was supposed to be the last one. So, like, why is Jaden still here if he's going to duel? Uh, and he's like, well, I guess we'll figure that out. And then as they're saying that, the PA system comes on and calls for Jaden to uh, join, uh, to, to go to one of the dueling arenas. Yeah. And we cut to that same stern figure I mentioned earlier in the, in the ridiculous costume. And, uh, and the ridiculous hair. 
It is a bowl cut with a uh, a ponytail. Yeah, which doesn't seem like I want to know what it looks like when the ponytail is down. Right? Is it just a mullet at that point? Almost a, definitely a bowl cut mullet. A a bullet. It's a bullet. <laughs> a bowl. A bullet. A mole. A mole. Uh, yeah. So so the the. Uh, fucking uh, Phoenix right looking guy from outside comes up to them and informs them that there's been a last minute entry, so on and so forth. And there's this line that bugged me for most of the episode because I thought that at this point the show was going to do something interesting with gender. Because from the way that this character is drawn, you can't really get they're fairly androgynous, right? You yeah. can't really get a sense for are they trying to present as male, as female, as otherwise. For me, I, I kind of just assume like, oh, we have our first like non-binary character in the show. And there's a line that I thought proved this to me because the Phoenix Wright looking dude comes up to them and says, uh, Mr. Crowler, uh, there's been a last minute entry. And Crowler goes... Uh, Mr. Crowler, how dare you? And the guy's like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, uh, Mrs. Crowler. Uh, <laughs> Crowler has a great line here. It's like, no, I have a PhD in dueling. I've earned the title doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, it, I, I felt so defeated because I was like, oh, wow, maybe they're doing something really interesting with this character. But no, they're just that dick. That and it, and it turns out later. I I'm not gonna like make this suspenseful or anything. So Doctor Crowler uses he him pronouns. Yes. Uh, but everyone else in the show calls him he him before he does. So I was like, maybe there there's gonna be some sort of reveal still. Maybe, maybe there's something. But no, he's just that dick that is so proud of having earned a doctorate that he will not let you call him Mister. A doctorate in dueling, nevertheless. Right. Yeah. I mean, okay. To be fair. If you get a doctorate in dueling, I I feel like you have the right to make people call you whatever you want. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Do you have to uh, write a dissertation about dueling? I think you have to duel a dissertation. A duel <laughs> a dual dissertation. A dual dissertation. Uh, which is definitely what I'm going to challenge Lauren to do when she goes for her PhD eventually. Is We're talking about somebody having a PhD in dueling. Do you think you'd have to do a dual dissertation no that was good that was good job thanks i worked real hard on it do you think that when you get your phd in bones uh will make you i don't know where i'm going with this (laughs) uh i'll make you do a skeleton oh i like that i mean let's just get through this masters first though Am I am I putting t- too much work ahead of you? <laughs> Lauren's got exams coming up. <laughs> I think I think I just made it worse. I just turned in my first fifty-page portfolio of three. Well, the next one's a hundred pages, and then the one after that, I think, is uh, well, I think it's twelve thousand words. I could be wrong. So, however many pages that is. So Crowler has done a lot of essays on dueling. Right, yes. Of the people who have written words about dueling in this universe. It wasn't about dueling. 
uh, Dr. Crowler maybe has written most of them. The D in uh, PhD stands for dueling. Oh my god. <laughs> it does. It it has to, right? Yeah. Oh, sorry, Lorna has a correction. 300 pages is the last one. Oh, no big deal. Just Just a 300. No biggie. Yep, cool. Good stuff. Okay. I'll let you get back. I'll let you get back to it. <laughs> so for a PhD in dueling, would you have to win 300 duels? Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, what's the what's the course look like for that? You'd have to do like a dueling placement. Mm-hmm. Right? You you go and you duel as a as a duelist in residency at another university, right? Uh you have to uh I mean, I'm I'm picturing honestly you know, Crowler would have to go and find the four game masters from the original series and beat all of them in duels Mm -hmm. and then write sort of a reflective journal, uh, that gets turned into a, a, you know, a published piece. You have to publish articles about dueling. Oh my God. You probably have to make an, you probably have to make a new card. Oh, maybe like how you get a job at wizards for, uh, making magic cards. Yeah. Have you heard about the application process for that? No, it's, it's bananas from the little bit that I've heard. Uh, but essentially there's a, like a normal application process to kind of just get in the door, you know, Mm -hmm. resume. Uh, I think you have to pitch an idea, that sort of thing. And then if you get in, they invite you from what I've heard into a group interview and this was years ago, so maybe it's changed, but they invite you to a group interview and they sit you all down and they go, all right, you all have seen like the latest batch of cards. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, your job is to come up with a new like theme for a new uh, uh, pack. Like here's the new batch of cards for 2019 or whatever. And you have to design one card from that new set. And you have 30 minutes. Go. Hmm. And you just sit and do it, I guess. And they just like they kind of critique your your card creations there while you're in the room uh which sounds terrifying to me yeah but, so mean, now hey. my question is how involved is pegasus with uh academia in this world Ooh, that's an excellent question since it's dueling with his ip yeah he must be making bank off of these dueling institutions it's like what if trump university actually worked Instead of just bilking people or f- people for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like, I mean, obviously Pegasus doesn't need the money. No. But, you know, maybe he reaches a certain point where, like, education is actually important to him. I don't think he needs to be involved at all. He just sets it up and goes about his day. Well, and that's the thing. Does he even set anything up? Because he, it's it's a school system that requires buying dual monsters cards yeah so he he gets the money regardless huh is he set it up so he can ensure that uh dual monsters will continue to be uh profitable in the future as people take dual monsters as their career path (laughs) career duelists uh yeah i hmm that gives me a lot to think about actually 
There's really so much wanna... we can unpack about this world. There, there truly is, but we have to keep moving. We have to keep uh, moving. We've we've gone too long already. Uh, so okay, so uh, the Phoenix Wright guy informs Crowler that there's been a last minute entry, and Crowler's like, nah, no, we're done. We're done. We're not letting in any more. Everyone here is super disappointing. I, I, I've had it. But then he gets a phone call uh, from a mysterious figure that tells him off for cutting like a third of the applicants last year. And he goes, yeah. hey, you better, you better get me some fucking talent. You better not uh, cut half our school applicants for stupid bullshit reasons. Yeah. And, he, uh, and, and then uh, Crowler again lists the like, well, they were all idiots, the whole Mr. Mrs. confusion. Uh, and apparently that's the according to what Crowler says, that's the whole reason he cut a third of the applicants was they couldn't figure out what gender to call him. Which, the whole like, thing was they didn't refer to him by his proper title, which is why he cut them. And that, see, again, that makes more sense. And it, in retrospect, that makes sense to me, but I was still stuck on the, well, no one said for sure him or her, like, is this a, a more interesting thing than it is? But it's not. He's just obsessed with the title. Uh, so he gets up, he hangs up the phone. I do want to point out, says, we get oh, yeah. um, a wide shot of the actual Dual Academy itself, which yeah. I want to say is 100% like the headquarters of a cult. Have you seen this thing, taken a good look at it? It. I didn't stop and take a good look. It, it had very much like a Google Campus vibe. Yeah, except it's surrounded by all these... How, how do we describe these things? I'll drop you a link here. But okay. it is, um, it's like a Google campus with all these like weird dome uh, yeah. towers. And I do it's surrounded say, I, by uh, ancient Egyptian obelisks. Yeah. I do want to say I just Googled Dual Academy. And the first thing that came up was the Game Boy Advance video game, which I am definitely not, wink, wink, going to download a ROM for. Um, yeah, okay, so yeah, no, you're right. The The Dueling Academy is very, like, let's take some Egyptian obelisks and then build... Okay, you know, what it, you know what it really looks like? It looks like a set from Buck Rogers. You know what it really looks like, Tyler? What does it really look like, Jimmy? It looks like the Kinney Nui from Bionicle. The cent- Fuck, it does! The centerpiece does. that allows the Toa to gain access to Makuta's lair. <laughs> God damn it. Not to shoehorn Bionicle into every single episode of our podcast, but and God that is damn. How, that is how you activate my podcast gets made, folks. Uh, that's... You, it does. That... It... Honestly, A big yeah. dome surrounded by obelisks is... 100% the exact same thing. That's, oh my God. Wow, that picture that you just sent me, this is from the game, right? The online game? Must be, yeah. That takes me back. Uh, so, okay, so Crowler gets off the phone, clearly like irritated. And he says to the, the Phoenix right looking guy, like, okay, leave the final applicant to me. I'll take care of it. And just like storms off. Yeah. Uh. He's 100% like, I'm going to kick this kid's ass. I'm not even going to use one of the, like, test entry decks. He's going to use his own personal deck to just completely annihilate this child. 
And that's one of the cool reveals that they have here that I really appreciated was some of the proctors hold up a briefcase full of dueling decks and they're like, but which training deck are you going to use? Uh, and he's like, not it's fine. And just like walks off. I love the idea that there are training decks. Mm-hmm. Like, of course there are. Right. And they're probably not even shuffled. Honestly, they, they have to be stacked. So it's like, Oh, okay. This will just be the same for each person. Which yeah. just It's, it sounds really nice. I don't know. Standardized uh, testing decks. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, I want you to think about what you just said. No. <laughs> uh, well, their STDs aside, uh, Dr. Uh, oh, we learned his first name now. Velian Crowler uh, is going to uh, be the, the dueling proctor for Jaden's exam. Uh, he introduces himself to Jaden. He introduces, oh, that he's the department chair of techniques at the Dueling Academy. Uh, at which point Jaden's like, oh, a department chair. Cool. I kind of figured that you were like a mascot or something. A cheerleader? <laughs> yeah, Maybe? based on your all your weird clothes. Uh, which is, I mean, fair. Also rude. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, they... Prep for the duel. Jaden pulls out his duel disc, which uh, I like the GX dueling discs, honestly. I think they're pretty cool. They're, like, sleek in ways that yeah. the ones we've seen so far are not. Well, we haven't seen any so far, except in, like, the movie. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, the, the, the Duel Monsters series dueling discs are, like, bulky is the wrong word. Uh, angular? They're angular. Prototype. Uh, yeah, whereas this is just like sort of a smooth swoop. Yeah. Uh, but so Jaden has a dual disc, but Dr. Crowler has a dueling vest, which is very cool. Yeah, he has this enormous, like, uh, the hologram projector thing is like strapped to his chest. And. He has it's like, like a it's two like the hand... vest they give you at laser tag. Yeah, it's a laser tag vest. And then he has this enormous like two-handed dueling keytar blade. It is maybe the most metal thing that you see in this whole episode. Like it looks pretty badass. Uh and it's just like hanging there connected to the vest. Yeah. And but the the crazy thing is uh, he needs both hands to hold it, so whenever he like draws cards, he has to like cradle it in the crook of his elbow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he holds it like a baby. Yeah, like an enormous, like enormous sword that you have to hold gently. What I what's funny about it too is like I think to make up for that, there's a system in the chest because the chest is where the cards are held. Yeah, is the thing. Uh, and the cards, there's two crazy things at play the deck uh has an opening that points down but somehow the cards don't fall out yeah the cards are held in place and when he needs a card he just reaches his hand up and over and it shoot shoots a card out into his fingers it's like it's like motion activated soap at a, at a public restroom right it's yeah like it just kind of whoop, whoop and it's always but it always works and he always catches it he, you don't get to be a, a PhD in dueling by dropping your cards on the floor with your enormous stupid keytar. I mean, frankly, that could be the whole exam right there to get your dueling PhD is just like do this motion and catch the card every time. 
Yeah. You must like spend the... hours of training uh, catching cards before they fall on the ground. <laughs> uh, but then they start the duel, which is less exciting. <laughs> eh, I mean, I don't know. There's some fun stuff in the duel. Yeah. Uh, we got some new cards uh, for us. A lot uh, of new Jayden... cards we've never seen before. Jaden starts the duel with Elemental Hero Avian, which is a bird man. Yep. It's it's the avian hero. He's just a big green winged uh, superhero looking guy. Uh, and he summons him in defense mode. Uh, the elemental heroes, Jaden doesn't super allude to this, but the elemental heroes are kind of his thing. Like that's what his whole deck is built around. Uh, they're interesting. I've played with them a little bit in Duel Links. Um, they're... Uh, what's the what's the i don't know they're they feel very vanilla i think compared mm-hmm. to a lot of other dual monsters decks and especially other stuff from gx they're very much like let's summon a bunch of these heroes who polymerize have... them together or you know uh, uh yes lauren was it the words polymerize them together that perhaps tickled your fancy yes <laughs> okay good uh let's 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 make these let's make these heroes bone uh and uh you know uh, duel with their offspring and summon skyscrapers around them and that's like the whole thing and we see actually all of that in this duel so if you've ever played an elemental hero deck there you are here and it is in each the, of in these the form. heroes has like different elemental based powers yes hence the elemental aspect yeah. of the elemental hero name so there's summoned heroes who have elemental powers. Yes. He is playing a bionicle deck. And these Fuck, are the yes. Toa. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That yes, combine this, this, into even more powerful heroes. It it like yes. the Toa. There is even one that is the hero of light. Jimmy. Oh my god. <laughs> there might be a mask of light card. Uh, I would not at all be surprised. Um, so he, he plays elemental hero avian in defense mode and quote, throws down a face down, which makes me want to throw up. (laughs) Uh, Dr. Crowler reveals that he is using his own personal deck now rather than a test deck. So on his turn, he plays confiscation. Which lets you, the teacher, take away the toys that those dang kids are playing with instead of doing their schoolwork. I no. guess. I mean, so, it literally so, does. Yeah. So it lets him play, uh, or pay, rather, a thousand life points uh, to peek at Jaden's hand and discard one of the cards that Jaden's holding. So he looks at Jaden's hand, and there's a very cool, like, holographic display of all the cards. It should also be pointed out that, like, unlike Duel Monsters, the dueling arena they're in is fully holographic. They're not standing at these podiums that have the uh, the cards on them. The dual discs are where they play the cards, and then everything around them is the hologram. They have uh, Kaiba has fully holodecked it out. Yeah, which at I this point in time. I really like, but I also don't know where the hologram is being projected from. Is it the dual disc? Is it the arena itself? 
I don't know. Maybe it'll be explained in season two. I think it's from the dual discs because uh, Kaiba was messing with that technology earlier with the the spinning uh, ah, hologram the, the projectors. Du- the, the dual blade. Yes. Uh, the dual blade, blade, bay blades. Uh, yeah, so who knows? Uh, but there's a really cool effect there where uh, he gets to look at Jaden's hand. And he's like, oh, yes, I remember some of these from back when I was a rookie way back in the day. Ha, ha, ha. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho. Uh, and, uh, he banishes Monster Reborn, uh, previously known as Reborn the Monster. Uh, and then he lays two cards face down, and then he plays a card called Heavy Storm, which is another new spell card, uh, and it destroys every spell and trap card out on the field, meaning that the face down that Jaden threw down uh, gets destroyed, but also the two face-down cards that Crowler just played. Yes. Uh, I want to point out that the life point and the attack defense counters uh, in this series look way better than what we've seen in the original series. because They really do. Before, it was just like kind of a purple box with gold text, and there was nothing particularly special about them. These... Uh, look kind of like... Tyler, did you ever use Winamp? Oh, hell yeah. If you get all those cool Winamp skins and download new ones, that's what these look like. There's like... Um, Jimmy, I a... said the phrase really whips the llama's ass earlier, and you question whether I use Winamp? <laughs> <laughs> these are very much Winamp skins that have like cool like projectors, and there's like a little graph, a little line bar showing like how much life points you have left. Um, it just looks a lot cooler than the original series. Unfortunately, the cards, when cards get destroyed, they still have the same, the same shitty, uh, shatter effect, which they do. I was yeah. disappointed about. Well, you know, I mean, you can't win them all. No. It's a fun thing though, to look at screenshots from the various Yu-Gi-Oh series and see how over time they steadily improve the technology for displaying numbers on a screen. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> So, so Crowler's cards also get destroyed. Jaden's trap gets destroyed. Crowler's traps get destroyed. And Jaden suddenly takes on a southern accent and is like, whoopsie, did you forget you had two trap cards out on the field yourself? Huh, yuck. <laughs> he doesn't say the huh, yuck, but everything else sounds like weirdly southern for some reason. The voices are just all over the place this episode. And Crowler says, now, now, you mustn't speak out of turn, young scholar. Uh... And How would you describe field, Crowler's voice? I can't decide. Crowler No, no, you like, mustn't speak out of turn, young scholar. Yeah, it's like super snotty academic voice. Yeah. Like whatever you picture when you picture that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's I don't know. It's one that I like, don't even want to try doing an impression of. I think what you just did is probably the closest we'll get. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but he says like, okay, don't speak out of turn. Uh, the field goes like dark and cloudy to the point where Jaden's like, what's happening? Uh, and Crowler has the most shitty comeback to the question. What's happening? Crowler goes, nothing's happening. Not yet, but that's about to change. (laughs) Which like you could just not say anything and let whatever's about to happen happen. 
Yeah, or just say, this is happening. Right. Like It'd be like if we started the podcast being like, we haven't said anything, not yet, but we're about to. <laughs> we haven't done a podcast yet, but now we're doing a podcast. The podcast is what's about to happen. I'm purred happily. <laughs> uh and uh, yeah, so the the trap cards that were destroyed, the the two that Crowler played that got destroyed, were called Statue of the Wicked. Is that right? Something along those lines. Something along those lines. And when they're destroyed, they each summon a token monster, which is why he played that card. So he now has two monsters out on the field. Uh, As an aside, Purd Happily would be a great Yu-Gi-Oh announcer because he just explains obvious things over and over again which is what the entire show is about oh that'd be so good the the action that yugi just took was playing a card the card game of course is dual monsters which is a game where cards are played uh so yeah everyone... uh, yeah chaz chaz and his friends try to explain this this thing that happens but you have some notes on this yeah they they're using their obnoxious voices to describe what's going on uh and then uh we sh- see another onlooker who's this uh girl who laments that crowler is being too harsh on this kid who is literally just applying to play at the school and then her friend next door says alexis that you're being too soft. I hope that Crowler plays that legendary monster that he has in his deck. Yeah, and this is the first time where somebody's like, y- you hear the capital letters, right, of like that legendary monster, and everyone starts hyping up this legendary monster that Crowler's got. Uh, which, okay, c- cool. Y'all have been going to school here for how long, and you haven't seen one card in this dude's deck, and now you're all excited for it? Uh, I don't know. It it doesn't make sense to me, but here we are. Uh, also, Crowler, Alexis yeah. is also an extremely two thousands name. It really is. And do we get the name of the guy who's talking to Alexis? Uh, we, we do, do later. at some point. I, I don't, don't know that I wrote it down. Not here yet. The thing about watching just one episode before we go into season two of like Dual Monsters is that I will not retain these people's names. And the way that they're introduced, they could be extras. They could be major characters. They could be, you know, a minor role for just this season. We literally have no idea. Uh, back at the duel, Crowler sacrifices uh, the two tokens that were just created by the trap, uh, allowing him to summon Ancient Gear Golem. Which, just as quickly as the hype was brought up, it is all released, and everyone goes, ooh, wow, the ancient legendary card, ancient gear golem, wow, it's so rare. Uh, and everyone like really has a hard-on for this card. Yeah, it just, it just looks like a big uh, clockwork robot. It's like, it's like, it's like Regirock from Pokemon. Kind of, yeah. It's basically just that. It's like this. It's it's a slicker version of the the stone uh, golem from Dual Monsters, the one that stabs the moon. Mm-hmm. Which is a sentence that I get to say. <laughs> you know, the stone golem that stabbed the moon that one time. It happens. Uh, it, it's it's fine. I don't know. Ancient Gear Golem is just like. Yeah, yeah. You you picture ancient Gear Golem, and you can pretty much. That's what it looks like. 
It's an, yeah, it's it, an ancient like Roman knight uh, made out of gears and robot pieces. It's like, all right, this is the legendary card you were waiting for. That's fine, I guess. Boy, I hope we get to see Crowler play Exodia. <laughs> right? Did you hear that's, Crowler has that's Exodia? What I was expecting. <laughs> It's like we would have like a like a, a, a like a demigod descend from the plains of madness and lay waste to the field, and there would be some sort of a a lesson learned about tardiness for things that you care about. And Crowler would show a soft side by allowing Jaden to attend Dual Academy anyway. But none of that happens. No. What just... does happen is the the golem attacks. Whoop de doo. Yep. The golem's attack is called Mechanized Melee. Which, of course, he has to yell every time it attacks. Even though it's just the same thing over and over again. And all Mechanized Melee is, is it punches. <laughs> it's a robot punching. That's a Mechanized Melee for you. Right. It's a, it's the forward A button attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it punches and it kills elemental hero Avian because it's an ancient gear golem and has a lot of attack points. Now, the thing about the golem, and the one thing that makes it cool, is that even though Elemental Hero Avian was in defense mode, and I think Cyrus is the one that explains this to, to Bastion, or maybe the other way around. Uh, when there's the golem a lot attacks, of different people shown There's so many about these people. Things. And they, like, 90% of them have black hair, and it's just impossible. Uh, when the golem attacks a monster in defense mode, the difference between its attack and the defending monster's defense carries over to that duelist's life points. It has trample. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like trample in Magic the Gathering. Um, typically, when a monster would attack another monster that's in defense mode, if the defense mode monster dies, none of the extra damage carries over. So yeah. this is the exception to that rule. All these onlooking upperclassmen just makes me wonder if they have nothing better to do than watch applicants like do take the opening test. Like, why are they there? If you ask literally any high school if they would want to go watch some middle school or kids take an entrance exam, they'd tell you to piss off. Yeah, I mean, why is this exciting? I mean, I would guess, like, in the case of, like, Chaz Princeton, it would be like, well, my name's fucking Chaz Princeton, and I have to see who I'm going to hate next year. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to watch these kids to see who I'm going to beat up. Right, or induct into my gang. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. It it, it kind of feels like... It, it It almost feels like a sorting hat sort of thing. Like, maybe these are the RAs. And they're trying to figure out, like, I guess. ooh, is, is Jaden a Hufflepuff or a Gryffindor? Yeah. No, I know, Lauren. That's not, I know that's not how the sorting hat works. This is not, Dueling Academy is different from Hogwarts. It's okay. You keep using those metaphors. It's, it's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I should stop talking about things I don't know about, like Harry Potter. Uh, so what happens? What happens here? Oh yeah. Okay. So, uh, the mechanized or the ancient gear golem does a mechanized melee through elemental hero avian crowler starts to boast. He's like, Oh, you know, it, don't take it so hard. Some people just aren't cut out to you know join the dual Academy. Uh, you can never hope to stand up to a duelist like me. Yeah. And Jane straight up interrupts him. 
Ancient Gear Golem, I want to point out, like, punches straight through Elemental Hero, and then the fist, like, phases into Jaden. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just a uh, a hologram, but he still, like, right. flinches. Yeah, and, and that's, like, starts... the representation of it hitting his life points, too, which yeah. I think is really cool. But then he starts laughing. Like, really evilly laughing somehow. It's like a cackle. Yeah. Uh, and he interrupts uh, Crowler and is like, oh, yeah, that's no, this is super fun. Like, I, I'm really enjoying this. Like, this is a great duel, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to come here and l- learn this sort of thing every day at school. And uh, he goes to draw a card and we hear another terrifying cooing from the great beyond. <laughs> uh, and Jaden draws winged Karibo, which apparently... Duel Monsters is still the kind of game where you can just throw a random card into your deck and not have to worry about balance. Or like, yeah, or a card count or anything like that. Uh, so it's just the Wing Kribo from earlier. And he looks at it and it glows. And then it winks at him. And he sees all of this, but doesn't, like he reacts. He's like, oh, huh, I guess that's a sign that I should play you right now. He's not weirded out by this? Yeah, I if I was looking at my cards uh, in Magic and suddenly a uh, Diagraph Captain like raised his sword and was, like pledged his allegiance to me, I'd think I was having a mental breakdown. Right, yeah, like if Charmander turns and winks at you, you do not play Charmander. <laughs> no, you... You play anything, but you, you stop playing. <laughs> and then you go to the doctor. <laughs> right, right away. But doctor, I am the king of games. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, he plays Wing Karibo in defense mode, uh, and then plays another card face down. So it's basically the same turn as before, mm-hmm. right? He 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 throws he what what is it? He does he a throws throw down, down the face down. down face down. Ugh. And uh, it's just like, all right, cool. Here I am, super talented duelist, just going to do the same thing twice and see what sticks. Uh, so Crowler, obviously, uh, gloats some more and then has Ancient Gear Golem attacked Wing Karibo, being like, you know, it's fine. Like, thanks for letting me duel, whatever. We'll see you apply next year. Uh, and uh, Ancient Gear Golem kills Wing Karibo, destroys it, and then there's sort of like a pause and Crowler looks at Jason is like, or uh, Jason, Jaden. And is like, uh, you should check your equipment. Your life points haven't changed. And Jaden goes, no, my equipment's fine. That's just wing Karibo special ability. Like when wing Karibo dies, I don't take any battle damage. Did you not know that? <laughs> okay. And people in the, the crowd are like, oh, wow, like, he played a card of the technique that not even Dr. Crowler knew. And somebody else is like, well, I mean, nobody can know all the card abilities. That's ridiculous. And then they reply with, well, this rando kid knew it. As if it's not just, like, written on the card? I guess it's not. It, it must not be. I don't know. Uh, Crowler uh, does have a, a cool line here. Not a cool line, just a ridiculous line. A Karibo to me is rather pedestrian, even one with wings, you see. (laughs) 
So that's how you know he's going to lose because he disrespected Karibo. And yeah, then he and, calls and then him Jayden, lame. And then Jaden is like, you may have beat him, but that doesn't give you the right to call him lame. Yeah, he comes to his card's defense. And and Crowler calls him out for that, too. He's like, oh, right. The, the young people sure do love to develop an emotional bond with their cards. How droll. <laughs> Crowler uh, really is kind of a, a knockoff Pegasus, isn't he, he? Yeah, he is. I don't know if I like him or not. I... He's made to be kind of obnoxious, I think. He's yeah. the obnoxious teacher that they wrote for people to dislike. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, I guess you, you need in a setting like this. I, I don't know that the show would work without at least one teacher to hate, as well as Chaz Princeton. Because uh, he, right, we hate Chaz Princeton, right? Oh, that's the, for sure we hate Chaz that's Princeton. That's the ruling on that. For those who have watched more of GX, I apologize if Chaz Princeton suddenly has a hero turn, but we'll say for now. <laughs> uh, the the attack, the the Ancient Gear Golem attacks, uh, doesn't deal any damage to Jaden, but it also sets off his trap card, which is Hero Signal, uh, that lets Jaden summon another elemental hero monster called Burstinatrix. I'm going to say that one more time. Bristinatrix, which is a, a it's, it's a portmanteau of burst and dominatrix, <laughs> and that's exactly what you get: uh, a fiery woman in very tight red, ostensibly leather clothes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it is. It is. It does what it says on the tin. Uh, I love your note here says it all. the The trap card literally is just like let's throw up the bat signal yeah. and see what happens. It's just literally uh, just a giant H for hero uh, glowing right. in the sky, and all the helicopters in town come circling. Uh, but no, yeah, it's it's. I think the card is literally just draw a elemental hero card or like or maybe play one from your hand. So it's nothing like super special, but we do get to see Burstinatrix, not Burstinatrix, like I've been saying for however long I've known about the card, but Burstinatrix. I just Googled uh, Burstinatrix, and uh, her card art has been uh, very much toned down for the American release, if you want to. Really? Yes, her outfit is much more revealing in Japanese. Oh, whoa, yep. That is just that's a that's a cartoon boob right there. That's what that is. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, that's there's a lot happening there, or not depending on how you look at it. There's uh, a lot her of... helmet's cool though. Yeah, she's got this like golden spike helmet with is that hair coming out the back? It's like bayonetta style hair. Yeah, her hair is forming almost like a. If you if a woman with long hair like jumps into a pool and her hair spreads out behind her in like a triangle shape, that's kind of what's going on there. Right. But yeah, this is this is definitely the the kind of card where like a they for sure censored it for American audiences and B for Japanese audiences, if it doesn't have a nipple, it's not a breast. Clearly. It's how they get away with yeah. it. Yeah. Right? 
That's what they're going for here. This is a cool show for older kids who are interested in boobs now. Yeah. Is Lauren disturbed by our talking yeah, about Lauren's, boobs? Lauren's looking over and my shoulder. Yeah, yeah. No, it gets it gets the approving nod. It's it's a you know. Like it, it could be covering the nipple. It's like a little part. Barely. Outfit. Yeah, ba- ba- I mean, that's an impressive uh, tape job. Yeah. Know, if if it is. It's uh, like body. But paint. it's also a, a fictional character in a cartoon. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Jaden also plays... She's fictional uh, twice. That... She's a fictional character inside a fictional show. That's true. <laughs> uh, Jaden, uh, it's now Jaden's turn, and Jaden plays, uh, another card that lets him summon a, a hero monster that is called The Warrior Returning Alive, uh, which I suppose is better than the alternative of, like, <laughs> The Warrior Returning Dead? I don't know, is that, what, like... Yeah, is it just alive? like a somber funeral card? <laughs> Warrior returning uh, the... dead is a knock on your front door and no, a folded American flag. No, no Jimmy, no. <laughs> it's 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 just one of the final scenes from the uh, Remember the Titans. <laughs> uh so the warrior returning alive returns a elemental hero card from the graveyard to the field. So Jaden gets to bring back elemental hero avian and then Crowler's like, okay, cool. Yeah, I get it. I see where you think that that would be a smart move, but actually let me tell you why that was something. And then Jaden goes, no, 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 I'm not done. And he plays polymerization. Our good friend polymerization that does whatever the hell you want. Polymerization, wasn't Polymerization our card of the year for 2018? I think so, yeah. It might have been. I forget. Uh, or was it Karibo? We had two different uh, cards of the year. Yeah, We anyway. Uh, so Polymerization, our good old friend, he plays it to combine Elemental Heroes, Avian, and Bristinatrix. Bristinatrix. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and creates... Elemental hero Flame Wingman. And boy, if you thought this show was early 2000s before, this guy is the most early 2000s hero type thing you could ever possibly imagine. Do you want to... This guy wants... He wants to be Captain Planet so badly. Look at this fucking but guy. But he's like... He's like half bird. He's half... Half spandex... He's half dragon, half angel, half superhero. Half, okay, so let me, me, uh, where do I even start? (laughs) Okay, so main body. Yeah. Green. Ripped as hell. Plant, plant slash lizard green. Ripped to high heaven. Left arm. Uh, well, the arm is green. Yeah. Left shoulder, white angel wing. He's got a... Head, um, head purple spike. Yeah, he has one angel wing. He's got a... I think, wasn't it Sephiroth? Yeah, Who yeah. Has the one wing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tail, red dragon tail. Right, right arm, arm, dragon... Literal... Dragon head. It's a... It's a Yes, it's that is the rest of the dragon. <laughs> uh, 
to the point where like his hand is just the dragon's mouth. Uh, Tyler, but he doesn't. He doesn't shoot fire. Is that right? I don't think so. I don't he think he later. does. There's a fire attack. You know what this guy reminds me of, Tyler? What was that uh, PS3 game where you were basically Venom uh, running around and like one of your arms was like a giant uh, biological scythe and then you went around like oh, slicing is that prototype? Prototype. Prototype. Yeah. Pro- this is this. It's it's prototype meets X-Men, I think. Yeah. Oh, man. Prototype was a good game. <laughs> It was so grimdark and edgy. And it only came out a short while. Prototype came out while GX was on the air. Yeah, this was... These two pieces of media are firmly set in the same time frame. Yeah. Uh, It's... That's what this guy looks like. If you're going to call something a fusion summon, like, this guy, I think... checks all the boxes as far as what you think of when you think of fusion summon yeah uh it's also very strong apparently uh and according to bastion who tells cyrus uh it has an ability such that when it destroys a monster the monster that was destroyed applies its attack or rather its attack power is deducted from its owner's life points yeah so Which it's took me took me a second to understand. It's like um it's like trample but instead of the attack uh your attacker's attack going through to your opponent, your own monster's attack hits you. Right, exactly. So so if I have a monster that has a thousand attack points and uh elemental hero flame wingman comes in and destroys it even if my monster is in defense mode it deals a thousand points to my life points yes because my monster had a thousand attack you can be my flame wingman anytime (laughs) danger zone Uh, uh flame wingman is definitely an alias that archer tried in archer right oh, like yeah. uh <laughs> so uh it's it's strong it has a cool ability but as somebody points out i think i think this is still bastion talking to cyrus wingman does not have as much attack as gear golem yet so it's not quite there jaden almost as if he heard this plays yet another hero card called skyscraper and skyscraper is a field card that has maybe my favorite effect of the episode uh buildings just start popping up in the field like it becomes a city on the field here and in the middle we have this one giant skyscraper like the rock the dwayne johnson movie uh, sort of rise up out of the middle and then up on top on the very tip top of the skyscraper is flame wingman yeah. like in a in a spider-man pose He's perched on one foot on the very very top of the like radio antenna the lightning it's, rod on the top of this building it's a very powerful image <laughs> it's super uh, batman it's literally just batman it's yeah we're just it's just flame batman at this point 
Uh, and uh, he commands Flame Wingman to attack Ancient Gear Golem with an attack called Skydive Scorcher. Mm-hmm. And it's this long sort of build-up attack, right? Like he swoops down and he goes past the Ancient Gear Golem. And so this whole time, Crowler's kind of taking the time to explain that the field card was pointless because it did not reduce the attack power of the Ancient Gear Golem. Mm-hmm. And that's that's this whole justification there of like I'm still stronger than you because your field card didn't reduce my monster's attack points at all. And then Jaden goes, "Well, actually what just happened was Skyscraper increases the attack of my hero monster by about a thousand. So it's now much more powerful than Ancient Gear Golem." Yeah. Uh at which point the Flame Wingman goes past Ancient Gear Golem, goes like sort of to like knee height, and then spins in a Shoryuken like flaming <laughs> uppercut uh, and knocks the Gear Golem out, like completely decimates yeah. him. Uh, you know, Crowler is, is uh, distraught. People are cheering. Uh, Crowler has a pretty good line here where he goes, impossible. There's no way this delinquent could defeat me. And then somehow he is hit in the head by holographic rocks that are falling yeah. out of the gear golem. <laughs> yeah. This shot was so good because you see the gear golem like still reeling from the attack and like the life points are, are being decreased to zero. And this whole time the gear golem has actually been standing behind Crowler so it's falling forward while crumbling. And then I guess the hologram is good enough to where it like bounces off of him. Yeah, it there's a rock that falls on his head and it like balances there for a minute, and then the rest of the gear golem kind of crumbles and squishes Crowler underneath it. So yeah. these holograms are good enough now that it's like holodeck rules where they can't actually hurt you, but they do physically affect you. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like a hard light sort of thing. Yeah. I, I imagine the debris here is like going to like a like a parkour gym or something where every it's like those big squishy mats. And it's like a oh, big yeah. bunch of squishy mats falling on him. Because he is like not those, prone. Uh, like when you drop into that that pit of uh foam cubes yeah it'd be like having that dumped onto you yeah it's not gonna hurt you it'll just knock you right down right 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 up until somebody uh you know turns off the holodeck safeties and brings in moriarty yeah <laughs> and, and sets then, you on fire then you're fucked yeah uh <laughs> everyone everyone at this point like celebrates for some weird reason even though i feel like they shouldn't be cheering for this representative of their school to just get his ass kicked by some child who showed up by late some, yeah by some, some rando kid some like truant. i feel like i would be pretty pissed if some like street urchin came in and like started wrecking shop i don't know that maybe that's just me yeah maybe I'm, I'm like trying to put myself in the in the preppy shoes a little bit too much there but I don't understand why people are suddenly on Jaden's side unless they just dislike Crowler that much. Which is fair. He seems to be set up as like a real asshole teacher. 
Supremely unlikable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jaden celebrates in another weird way where he pulls Wing Karibo back out of his deck and looks at it. And he's like, yeah, getting into Duelist Academy. Yay, I'm in. And he looks at Karibo and he says, we're both in. And from here on out, you and I will be partners. And then the Karibo winks. Again. And the episode ends. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. That That's so, it. That's uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! GX, Generation Next, Episode 1. Generation Next. Wow. So does that mean that only Yugi's cards have actual spirits in them? That he's like magically uh, imbued with the heart of the cards with his magic powers? I, honestly, part of me thinks so. I am kind of tempted to look up like what happens with the winged Karibo here. Uh, but in a way, I also don't want to spoil it for myself. Yeah. I know that it's it has a degree of sentience. Like it has the heart of the cards in it, whatever that means in this context. But I don't understand why Jaden is just cool with it. You know? Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, looking up in the Wikia here, wind Karibo is Jaden Yuki's main spirit partner. Whoa. In the anime, he begins following Jaden after the latter received the winged Karibo card from Yugi Moto. In the manga, the card was instead given to Jaden by Koyo Hibiki. Uh, in the manga, the priest before Karim judged Tregoidia using Millennium Scales. Winged Karibo, known as the White Feathered Spirit, was weighed against the Feather of Ma'at. The White Feathered Spirit represented the sin in Tregoidia's heart while the feather represented righteousness, truth, and order. Trigoidia's sins greatly outweighed righteousness, truth, and order, causing the white-feathered spirit's end of the scales to immediately hit the ground. The sins were so strong that winged Karibo turned black. Did winged Karibo fucking die for our sins? I think winged Karibo is sin. (laughs) It's the embodiment of all evil? Yeah, I think so. Who knows what evil manga, lurks in the hearts of men? Winged Karibo knows. In the manga, Koyo Hibiki received the Winged Karibo card from Maximilian Pegasus at a Duel Monsters Mall tournament and passed it on to Jaden Yuki. <laughs> and somehow it is also the embodiment of sin. <laughs> what the hell? He won it at a mall. <laughs> Here, kid, take this take this piece of shit that I won at a mall. <laughs> I don't know. I got it from some guy, some guy with a weird eye. Um, <laughs> that is one hundred percent a Pegasus thing to do, though. Is take the embodiment of the evil that lurks in the hearts of men and just go to a mall and hand it to some kid. Yeah, I. I so I, I wasn't familiar with Koyo Hibiki either. So Koyo Hibiki is a character from the anime who uh, is a three-time Duel Monsters World Champion. We'll probably see him uh, at some point. He also used the Elemental Heroes deck uh, and is apparently the former owner of the Elemental Hero deck used by Jaden in the series proper. So I don't think he actually shows up in the anime, but he's he's a, a big character in the manga. Um, Where was I going with this? We're trying to figure uh, out what the hell Winged Karibo's deal is. 
Yeah. So in the okay, here we go. So in the anime, Yugimoto gives it to Jaden after the latter bumped into the former in a big hurry. Yugi also said that he felt that the card wanted to be with Jaden. After obtaining the card, Wing Kariba became Jaden's spirit partner and often appeared alongside Jaden, particularly to express concern. Sometimes he would appear when Jaden needed him the most, like when he was in a tough situation or to tell him the card he will draw could help him. In episode four, Miss Dorothy gave Jaden Winged Karibo level 10. So there's multiple level Winged Karibos representing the, you know, the various atrocities of Sin, <laughs> uh, along with Transcendent Wings, to which he used to defeat Chaz. Pardon me. Chaz is spelled with two Z's, Jimmy. No, it's not. Yes. Oh, my His God. His name is Chaz. Chaz Princeton. Princeton. Oh, fuck. Wing Karibo will sometimes hide behind Jaden's head after being frightened by something. During season three, Wing Karibo would sometimes fight with Jesse Anderson's spirit partner, Ruby Carbuncle. Uh, Ruby Carbuncle, by the way, is a spirit partner with the worst name, but a great look, especially if you're into Steven Universe. Ruby Carbuncle oh, is the crystal beast Ruby Carbuncle is essentially what if uh, oh. the cat from uh, Sailor Moon became a crystal gem. This this is there's no way this isn't an evolution. I know, yeah. This is this is like this is EV cross with Final Fantasy. This is the the uh, the Moogle Eevee. Oh, it's so cute. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So the other thing that happens later on in GX is that Winged Karibo actually has a spirit that we see separately from the card that appears alongside Jaden Yuki in the physical world. I don't know if anyone else can see him. This show is going to go some places. Yeah. Uh, it also brings up the subject that we haven't really talked about before, which is spirit partners are a recurring theme in Yu-Gi-Oh. Have you thought about this? Not until just now. So spirit mo- partners are dual monster spirits that have human partners. They're partners in any other humans that possess not sexual partners. Just like they're friends uh they're they're co-workers i don't know why you had to specify that but sure i don't i don't know i just well okay no i know why i said it is because uh i got lauren the expansion book to monster of the week tome of mysteries that just came out which looks which looks amazing but she has she has explicitly we, we've had to have a conversation about there's a new uh hunter role that makes her very uncomfortable and makes me uncomfortable in a way that I want to explore. Um, <laughs> it, it there's a there's a hunter role called the para romantic. Oh God! <laughs> Which its whole thing is that you have a special bond with a, a, a an otherworldly force, Tyler, maybe no. a monster, maybe a hunter, somebody who acts as your guide. No, Tyler, to please don't unknown. fuck Bigfoot. <laughs> It's basically you play as the woman from The Shape of Water. <laughs> and, and talk me talking about it. I don't know if anyone can hear Lauren's commentary in the background. It it's something that I it makes me so uncomfortable. I can't hear what she's saying, but I can hear that she's getting more and more upset. It, that that's factual. It's something that I think explicitly I am not allowed to play because she does not want to be the DM for that game in which I describe the many ways that I fuck Bigfoot. <laughs> uh, 
but wouldn't it for you? Absolutely it would be. I don't want to hear this. Are you kidding? It, it it just, it makes me uncomfortable on the level that, like, Twilight makes me uncomfortable. Not because it's, like, supernatural sex or whatever, but it's just, like, it's promoting that stereotypical, like, manic pixie dream girl. I live for my man. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, my world's not right unless he's punishing me. Like, it just makes me so uncomfortable. Covered in fur can't be taking photograph you can't take photographs of you oversized shoes say it sasquatch <laughs> anyway that is why i had to specify that spirit partners are not sexual partners hashtag spirit partners not sexual partners uh Spirit partners are a Yu-Gi-Oh theme, Jimmy, uh, of people in Yu-Gi-Oh, characters in Yu-Gi-Oh that have a certain affinity with Duel Monsters cards. So Yugi and Dark Magician, uh, Kaiba and Blue Eyes White Dragon, Joey Wheeler and Flame Swordsman is another example, um, potentially Red Eyes. So they're actual uh, spirits that are bonded to these cards. Yeah. Yeah, and they they sort of have an affinity with the people that play those cards the most often. So in this Wikia article about it, it lists Jaden's spirit partner as being Wing Karibo, but then later on he can also communicate, just straight up communicate with, uh, Neospatian cards, which are a whole separate thing that we don't have time to get into, and elemental heroes. Okay. Yep. The cards yep. are real. Yeah. So Blue Eyes White Dragon is real, and he does love Kaiba back. I mean, yeah, kind of. Okay, well, we'll get to that when we get to that, I guess. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, I want you to tell me what your favorite part of this episode was. Uh, my favorite part of this episode was just... The time period, the hyper-focused time period uh, of this show, cementing it firmly in the mid to late 2000s, just in the names of the characters, to the music that's playing, um, just this whole environment is very much uh, the time I grew up in. And it's surprising yeah. to see that given that this is a Japanese show and I'm wondering if some of these cultural trends uh, were happening in Japan as well. I mean, just from the little bit that I've read, it, yes, but in different ways. Like I think a lot of the things that we ascribe to being very familiar to like when we grew up are just a result of the translation, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but still... That means that they did an incredible job on this translation to make it that specifically 2004 kind of feel. Yeah, the localization team on this show did a very good job in uh, cementing the kind of world that this is and making it accessible to mid-2000s American audiences. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's... I still can't get over the fucking ska theme song, and I really want that. This is an extremely mid-2000s show, and it shows. Yeah. That's what I yeah. love about it. 
What, what was your favorite part? My favorite part, I'm going to be a little bit more specific here because it was definitely the like 2004 ass vibe of this episode. Like we got so clearly what time and place this was, but I'm, I'm going to send you a link here. Specifically, my favorite was the character names. Oh, yes. And it gets it gets worse. Generally. Oh, my goodness. And I, I just sent you a list of the names in the show. And it's one of the things that you don't really get from just watching one episode is the spelling on some of these names. Cyrus so, with an S. Yeah. So Cyrus, the blue haired, uh, anxiety ridden character that we met earlier is Cyrus with an S S Y R U S. His last name is Truesdale. Truesdale. Cyrus Truesdale. Uh, there is another character who I think was uh, the the Southern uh, accent that you you noticed, uh-huh. uh, or may, maybe not. It's unclear. Uh, there's a character named Chumley Huffington. I was just looking at Chumley Huffington, and of course he's the fat kid. Right. Uh, Bastion is Bastion Masawa. Chaz is Chaz. I still can't Princeton. get over Chaz Princeton. Alexis Rhodes. Alexis Rhodes. Uh, Zane Truesdale. Uh, Blair Flanagan. <laughs> Tyranno and... Hasselberry. Yes. Who uses a dinosaur to... deck because, of course, he does. Because, of course, he does. Aster uh... Phoenix. Aster Phoenix is pretty badass. Atticus Rhodes. Adrian Gecko? Axel Brody. Oh Fonda Fontaine. Uh, Jean, Jim... Jean-Louis Bonaparte. <laughs> Otherwise known as Napoleon. <laughs> uh, Jim Crocodile Cook. Oh, from Australia, obviously. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Uh, Valiant Crow- uh, Crowler, who we met. Uh, and then there's uh, a group called the Shadow Riders or the Seven Stars Assassins. So there's like Kagemaru, Night Shroud, uh, Tanya Amazonas, Chief Zalug, Titan. It's just it, all the names here are just, it, it just, I can't, it's incredible. Uh, there's in the Society of Light, which is a, a, a cult that we meet later on in the series. An alien-influenced cult. There's a character what known the fuck as is Bob this show Game even Show about? Banter. This this character's given Christian name is Bob Banter, <laughs> and he goes by Game Show Bob. Prince Ogin. Doctor Eisenstein. I just, it's. It's just all so. Uh, I do want to point out also, I looked at the voice actor for Chaz Princeton, and yes, it is Rex Raptor. Okay. I thought a lot of these name these uh, voices sounded familiar. Yeah. You know what yeah. these uh, names remind me of? Have you hmm. seen. I'll just drop it in, a link to you, but there's uh, a picture that went around a while back of this white lady who is pregnant and has the most like gen- 
generic like white oh, kid is names. Oh, this the one where it's like Jaden with three Ys yeah. and like Crystal. All the names she was considering X. for her babies that are crossed out: Taylor, McCarty, yeah. Navy, Maley, and finally settled on Lakin. That's what I, all these I, names I, are like. Uh, oh yeah, Taysom, Ollie, Grayson, Asher, Tatum. I mean, those are like Tatum. Yeah, okay, fine. But like, I don't know if your name, if you're listening to the show and your name is Navy, N-A-Y-V-I-E, Navy, I think you need to have a conversation with your parents uh, because I, I'm not a hundred percent convinced of their love for you. Uh, it's like the most. That may be, that may be cool of me to say. I'm so sorry. That was not worth the joke. It's just the. Na- navies of the world, you are loved. All these names that are just kind of like misspelled to be unique is the vibe I get from all the names of these characters. Like Oh, absolutely. Chaz. <laughs> you still can't Chaz. get over Chaz Princeton. Oh fuck. Chaz. I want to know I don't want to know if it's short for something. <laughs> Chazrick. <laughs> Chazrick. Anyway, what was uh, your your worst of this episode? Uh, oh, I was going to ask you what your worst was. Uh my worst I think was that I I'm still I'm really disappointed that Dr. Crowler did the whole Mr. Mrs. thing just because he wanted to be called Doctor. Like I really wanted that to be the show going in an interesting direction with like oh maybe we'll have like a like a gender fluid like non-binary character. Uh I guess I'm also kind of glad they didn't go that route. I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. Um yeah, so maybe that makes it not my worst. Weird, I don't know. I don't know if I can have mixed feelings about a worst. Doctor Crowler looks like they could be uh, gender fluid, but I think they just made him look weird just to be yeah someone to dislike, which is also weird in its own way. And like, and that's a whole. There's a whole trope, right, of like making your villains gay, basically, like as a, a another way of coding them as being a villain is like queer coding a character yeah. to signal, hey, this is the bad guy. Like Jafar from Aladdin did that. Um, oh, and Scar, Lauren points out, which I didn't get up until just recently. I I, I never quite saw that, but yeah, a lot of Disney uh, villains. Yeah, so I I think I think what I'm gonna actually say is that my worst is that ancient gear golem was hyped to be this legendary rare creature and was kind of just underwhelming. Yeah, it's just a big robot. It's not that great. Yeah, how about your worst? Um, that's a great question. I'm trying to think. My worst is. Just kind of the whole premise of this show, that the existence of a (laughs) dueling academy is a thing, and that that's something you go to school for, um, it's just, it's just For many years, apparently. Yeah. You need to get, you can get a PhD in dueling. It's just... Right. I respect the show for leaning into it, but it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, it, Yeah. It you know it's one of those I think again it's it's one of those signs of the time sort of things where like ah uh, yes okay it is two thousand four because is is it it is a fiction about somebody going to a, a pres- magical school for youngsters duelists. 
yeah. I was just looking up when Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone came out because apparently that's the only thing that I can relate this to. <laughs> uh, and that was 2001, so not like super far off. It was still, you know, in the zeitgeist. Yeah. But just the whole concept of going to blankety blank magical school for blankety blanks, but to apply card games to that is just kind of silly. I mean, it's very hard to take any part of this show seriously. Yeah, I was going to say it's 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 also better than the other uh, bonus episode that I wanted to pitch to you, it, which is I try to recap the entirety of Beyblade Burst, <laughs> which has a very similar vibe. Is that a, the Beyblade, Beyblade school one? Is there a Beyblade? No. School? So he, he they go to a normal school, but he convinces the school to pay for a Beyblade club. See, that it's would actually be very more reasonable. Yeah, Lauren's just now remembering that I watched Beyblade Burst. Yeah, it's a very... I like it a lot. It's a very good show. Like recently. Yeah. We've been doing this show for a while. Uh, the whole concept of yeah, this no, so it's, uh, like whole dueling academy thing is kind of alien to the first season of Yu-Gi-Oh! that I've seen, where it's just kind of... They're regular school kids that go to a regular school and they just happen to be enthusiastic about this one game. And now it's leaning into the idea that all of society has embraced dual monsters so much that you can go and get a PhD in it. You go to academy for it. Uh, There's nobody does anything besides dual monsters. Yeah. It and it's gonna be interesting too, I think, you know, going into to Battle City, from everything I remember about Battle City, it kind of keeps that idea of like, oh yes, the only thing to do in this world is dual monsters. Like that aspect of it is still there. But they take it in like a like a Lord of the Flies sort of there is no law, only duel sort of vibe. Mm. Like weird, like people start pulling weird shit just to win duels because that's the only thing that matters. And so I I agree. Like it is kind of weird to go from that mentality to, ah, but let's go to school. Yeah. Come children, let us, let us learn about the art of the duel monster. It's just kind of jarring how it, just Yu-Gi-Oh! in general started off in what is recognizable as modern-day Japan. And it's completely right. unrecognizable by the time this comes out. It's a completely different society with different locations and all this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Man, we should do we should do bonus episodes for like the first episode of each series just to see how it changes over time. Because I feel like they're, they're getting progressively... Like they're going further and further into the future, right? Yeah. Like we have... This, which is like modern day, it looks like, or it's trying to be with some sci-fi elements, like the holograms, obviously. Uh, and then Arc V is, I think, about the same time frame. But then 5Ds is like way in the future where they ride motorcycles while dueling. Uh, and then Vrains is like the Matrix. Yeah. 
the the slow disintegration of society into a dual based uh world yeah it's and it's like not i mean it is sci-fi i guess but it's not like cyberpunk right yeah it's is it dual punk it's dual punk it's its own genre because like because like okay so like steampunk is the idea where history sort of stopped at steam power and an exploration of how society advances with just steam power. Cyberpunk is, it stopped at like, you know, 1986 technology and then just how to Spiraled we... inwards on itself. Right, right. Is, is this the genre where it stopped, society stopped at dual monsters and spiraled in on itself, as you said, into dual monsters? Yes, yeah, all progress that society has made is having dual card games duels uh just in better ways it's a society that's completely stopped all outside expansion and is completely hyper focused on one aspect of society playing card games one card game jimmy i think we did it we discovered a new genre a new genre has appeared. <laughs> Card punk. Card punk? Dual punk. Dual punk. I like dual punk. I like dual punk. Card punk has a... No, I like dual punk. All right, kids, it's 2019. Welcome to dual punk. Is... Tyler, is the um, the Dungeon Dice Monsters like the last gasp of any other games in this world? The extinction <sighs> of so. all creativity that is not focused Uh, on guard card games no it is not the last gasp uh capsule monsters i think we have yet to see i think that's in the next season but i don't remember for certain but yeah essentially like dice dungeon dice monsters is kind of just the last like i think that's the last true game designer i think duke devlin wanted to be a revolutionary uh and didn't quite make it no it it just got absorbed into a spin-off of dual monsters yeah which kind of makes me empathize with him yeah do i like duke devlin now he was the one person who looked at all of society crumbling to just a hyper-focused miasma and was like no we can do better we can have other things so here is how one would go about getting a PhD in dueling. The history of you, dueling. You write, it's, it's a, essentially a media study degree where just like the guy who got his PhD in Batman, you write about the effects that a, a insular self-referential society uh, that dueling would have on a society that is only insular and self-referential rather. What if what if there were only memes and the only memes were duels? This is like one of those Star Trek societies where they stumble upon a planet and they just discovered like I think that one of them was like 1920s gangster movies and they oh, took yeah. this gospel yeah, yeah. and like started building their entire society around gangster movies that had been broadcast into space. 
to the exclusion of all other thought. Right. This. Yeah. I, you know, I'm into it. This is a dystopian future. I mean, yeah. And like, and we're seeing, we're seeing evidence of it actually in this episode, you know, there's, there's people, uh, hallucinating that cards are communicating with them and they're not responding to that hallucination. It's just sort of a normal occurrence. Uh, who's to say whether or not the, uh, the holograms or even holograms, they don't explicitly say in this episode. We just kind of take it as, as fact. Maybe it's some sort of shared hallucination. I want to see probably the next, uh, iteration of Yu-Gi-Oh is in the far future when they have like genetically engineered all these creatures and monsters and robots to exist in the real world. Oh shit. That is the, the final timeline. It's the return yeah. of the shadow games. On a grand scale. Yeah. Where magic has died and science rules with an iron fist. I'm into it. God, this got dark. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yu-Gi-Oh! 40K. What's that? It's Yu-Gi-Oh! 40K. In the grimdark future of humanity, there is no light, only duels. And that'll do us for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, <laughs> if you want to, to get tomatoes. in touch with us, oh. nope. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at youactivatedmypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at yampod. That's Y A M P O D. You can go to our website, which is heartofthe.cards, and join us next week for a very special introduction into Battle City. Jimmy, next week, we're not going to do an episode review. Next week, we're going to talk about what is in store for Battle City, largely because I prepped this whole big thing that I realized we will literally not be able to complete in a full season unless we do an introductory episode. And that thing is the Battle City Monster Bracket. Are you excited? I'm excited. I'm so excited. Uh, so next season, uh, rather than doing a card of the week like we have been doing, we will be doing a f- sort of a sort of a duel, uh, a, a battle of, of of wits, of brains, of brawn. Uh, we will be pitting two monsters uh, that appear in the battle series, the battle city arc in in the season two arc. Uh, we'll be pitting two monsters against each other and picking who moves on, culminating in, uh, if I've done my math correctly, right around the time of the final, culminating in an epic battle between the two top monsters, and we will see who the best monster of Battle City truly is. Uh, so the trick with that is, is there's a lot of monsters <laughs> in Battle so City. So many monsters. So next week, we're going to do kind of like a speed round of here are some of the matchups that uh, are, eh, some are exciting, some are less than exciting, and we're going to get through some of the the early stuff so that when we truly start season two, we can do one a week and then end on time. So that'll be, that'll be next week. Uh, so really, it is, bracket, actually it is card of the up. week, but you get two cards per week. So that'll yeah, be fun. Yeah, yeah. Two cards enter, one card leaves, uh, and we will have a bracket online. I'm still trying to figure out exactly where to p- 
put it, I essentially made a very fancy Google spreadsheet that works as my bracket. Uh, and uh, I think we'll just make a page for that on the website. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, Jimmy, is there anything else you want to you wanna drop or plug or talk about? Uh, our, my other podcast, uh, by the time this comes out, I think we'll have had the final episode of the first season, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What uh, what number episode is that? Is that nineteen? Uh, let me Google that real quick. It's either nineteen or twenty, I think. I know one just dropped, but I think by the time this comes out, the final episode will be out. Yes, DungeonsAgainstHumanity.net. Um, episode nineteen just came out uh, a day ago. Um, we are, if it's if that's not the final episode, it is like this penultimate one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I have I'm still like I I ended up making a separate playlist for like actual play role playing podcasts just so I can like have something to play while I'm cooking and stuff. So that's how I'm getting through it. I'm like slowly catching up. Uh, I love 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 the Twitter account for Dungeons Against Humanity, D A H podcast because specifically, and we've talked about this on the show before. Sam does an amazing thing where there is the uh, role of the week and the quote of the week, and it gives you that little snapshot into how the game went, where it's like if the role of the week was somebody tripping over their own shoelaces, you know they're into some shit. Uh, And I'm trying to remember what the role of the week for the final episode was. The role of the Uh, week was my role, uh, my character, to beat a motherfucking Dracolich in a strength contest. Right, that's what it was. Your character, the the warlock of Shimmerlord, mm-hmm. the unicorn uh, prince. Right, uh, literally, physically beating a Draco Lich in a fight. It's not the way you think. Okay, but well, I mean, I would assume, I would assume so. It's good. It's a fun moment. I enjoyed it. So yeah, so go follow that. Uh, it's DAH Podcast, DungeonsAgainstHumanity.net. A da podcast. Uh, pretty much everywhere podcasts are sold, right? Yeah. Like it's SoundCloud, it's iTunes, it's we have Spotify? I th- I'm not sure about Spotify. We also have a YouTube account. And um, one of our other players has been very uh, busy and putting up our episodes and then putting up art alongside it to kind of give you a a glimpse of what the characters look like and that sort of thing. That's awesome. I didn't realize that. Is that also DAH podcast at YouTube or is that Dungeons Against Humanity? Uh, I don't remember. And it might be, um, it might be have a bit of a backlog to it because it takes so much more work than just putting up the podcast. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Hey, if you're starting from the beginning, you know, if that's something you're interested in, definitely worth looking up. Yeah. I'm just Googling it now. You can just Google it. Dungeons Against Humanity YouTube. Awesome. All right. Uh, I think that'll do us for this week. Thank you, everybody, for letting us take a week off last week to get everything prepped. Uh, Season two is going to be one collective banger. Uh, And, yeah. Until next time. I have a PhD in dueling. I've earned the title Doctor. Doctor.